0: what is up guys welcome back to tag team pokemon trading card games premier podcasting duo my name is riley holbert joined as always by my good good friend mr jw Creewall. jw how's it going today
1: it's going all right riley feeling good oh feeling yeah Better than i have in a while
0: we love that <laughs> we yeah love well
1: that. two weeks ago i had a toothache yeah, one I remember week that. Ago, one week ago, I had kind of a like thro- I was throwing up and very sick.
0: <laughs> okay, I don't I wasn't there for that. So. But it was
1: about a 36 <laughs> hour sickness where oh, no. I woke up around well, my wife had kind of a stomach bug. And then <laughs> I figured I had it the night before where I like couldn't finish my dinner. I,
0: was oh, like, no. I just like
1: couldn't eat it. I'm like, oh no, I, I feel like I have something. <laughs> and then Woke up in the middle of the night, threw up, went back to sleep, threw up again. (laughs) That's horrible. You know, and spent the next like took off work the next day, spent the next uh, kind of 36 hours trying to recover from that. And this is all on top of, you know, work stresses and things like this. But I'm proud to (laughs) announce that we've we've kind of ascended from the pits and uh, we're here today. So we get a nice three day weekend. That's what I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, I, I hate to be that corporate, you know, man, one more day till Friday type guy, but, um, uh, you know, one more day till Friday. And then, uh,
0: so true. And then it's a three so day weekend. True. Let's go. <laughs> well, so I'm sorry that you weren't feeling well, but I'm glad that you're feeling better.
1: I felt just good enough on uh, Wednesday of last week to record with Andrew. And I thought it was a really nice conversation, but holding down the fort, while you were gone because you had work stuff so how are you doing riley
0: i'm doing well yeah i got to spend the the week last week in sunny san diego and that was a nice refresher after a really cold week prior in wisconsin um had a lot of fun got a lot of great work done and you know it's been pretty busy this week back i'm not gonna lie but um, it's been good it's been good and of course as we're recording today, is the day after Valentine's Day, so the spirit of love is in the air and is flowing. I, I know you can feel it. I can feel it. Um, and we want to express our love for all the listeners of this cast by recording a kick-butt episode. Am I right?
1: Uh, absolutely. What'd you, what did you get? Jill? Can I, can I ask what you guys did for Valentine's Day? What you got? We
0: didn't do anything too crazy, but um, you know, I got a really nice card um, from an art fair that we had gone to, and Um, I got her like a little disposable camera to kind of like capture the moments because film is more fun than phone pictures. Nice. Um, And we watched Love Island after making a nice dinner. So...
1: (laughs) Which one is Love Island again? I think I'm getting it... Love Island is... With like matched love or something? We're we're
0: watching the UK Love Island. It's on Hulu. Um, And it's like they throw all these very attractive young people onto an Island. as the name implies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're all British, which is funny. And, they, um, and progressively like more people get added to the Island. And if you're not coupled up at the end of a given week, you get like kicked out.
1: Yo. So
0: like on the first week, well, the first day it starts with five women and five men. Okay. And at the end of the first day, another interloper comes into the play. Uh-oh. And so now it's like, okay, there's six men. So not everybody can be coupled up at the end of the week. Right. <laughs> and, oh,
1: so somebody's definitely leaving.
0: <laughs> and then just like more people come into the fray.
1: And so like, like, can you like switch partners? Is yeah. That kind of the idea? Like
0: that you get coupled up on the first day, but like okay. you don't really have to necessarily do anything with them. And then right. at the end of the week, you can opt to recouple with someone else uh, based on like the vibes that you're picking up. Um,
1: that's so. interesting.
0: It's mostly just like it's really funny. <laughs> they, yeah, I had there's a lot of episodes. They like yeah. they basically rec- record like everything these people do, <laughs> and like every day of their life is an episode. <laughs> so,
1: so there's like a lot of hookups and. Well, not yet. We're not very far, but okay.
0: You know, it's funny. Like it's also just funny because we're watching the uk version so they talk about like snogging with each other and they talk like
1: boy uh, we were snogging down <laughs> the garage last night yeah. so it's just a hoot <laughs> uh, i think it's really funny dude we just finished love is blind there you go yeah yeah it was really sad it was this <laughs> well so there i, I don't want to spoil it because great i think this is a great show because i think it's like pretty authentic and very real and like people have like real emotions and go through real relationships and things like this um, but there is kind of a trash tv element to it for sure <laughs> but one of the couples that i thought was gonna make it the guy ended up cheating on the girl no. and it, it was so sad because at the beginning of this whole series i was like man this girl is really like standoffish and kind of superficial and he's really genuine and real And then it turned out to be completely opposite where like she was the real genuine one and just had to kind of like she was scared of opening up but she finally got there at the end and then he just turned out to be the scumbag that cheated on her for months oh my god yeah it was it was tough i mean they didn't really get too much into the details of like the you know cheating they just kind of said it it was like maybe like a two minute segment at the end because it wasn't (laughs) something that they had caught on camera but it was really sad to see i was really disappointed that yeah that's yeah.
0: wrenching it is yeah it the is. uh you see we watch love because it is sort of like trashy tv and it's fun yes. to like watch it yes. like point and laugh basically yeah <laughs> like, totally i get that what's going sure. on? Um, so yeah we had a lot of fun Did you anything fun with Anne?
1: um yeah no we just watched love is blind <laughs>
0: yeah, so we... kind of a similar vibe <laughs>
1: we're just i you know and 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 i um you know we're just we've been married for a while right so it's like yeah. valentine's day is kind of low on the priority list in terms of what we do for it we ended up going out to a nice dinner on saturday yeah um, we had a free weekend which we weren't expecting it was actually a little bit of a kind of a last minute scramble to try to find a babysitter <laughs> but we ended up going out for dinner on yeah
0: saturday. Kinda, i mean we kind of did the same thing like we got we got dinner on saturday and yeah. it's the middle of the week you know there's only so much yeah time. right exactly i
1: mean it's a tuesday i gotta go to bed at like nine thirty, right
0: <laughs> yeah. so i agree um, anyway we got plenty of, of poke to talk about for today um so let's just kind of dive right into it man and first i think we have to talk about the news in terms of the competitive circuit uh the CP threshold has been lowered for a Worlds invite. I'm going to focus on North America here, uh, where we've lowered from 500 points for a Masters invite to the low, low price of 350 championship points. 350. So
1: 350. Riley.
0: Obviously, that's caused a lot of buzz. You know, people who sort of, over the course of an hour, got their <laughs> Worlds invite yeah. without doing anything. Uh, we're pretty excited I myself am now pretty close to getting my own which is pretty awesome yeah um, and then there's sort of the other side of the coin where people are maybe concerned about what this means in terms of locals returning over the
1: course yes. of this competitive season yes. I think that's the that's kind of the biggest takeaway I think that you can make from this the biggest um, inference if you will locals are not coming back this year I Would be shocked
0: this competitive year, at least. Yeah,
1: this competitive year. I mean, maybe down the road, you know, thinking like August, September, they might start rolling back out locals, but for all intents and purposes, I would not count on locals being back. And I think, you know, there's some nice things about that, I guess, but also it's really difficult for, you know, some players to get the points that they need without the local tournaments. I mean, you think about just how much those play into, um, you know, certainly all the years that I've qualified, uh, pretty big factor. So sad to see that, you know, again, inferring, there's no no official statement, but um, I think Pokemon has, with this announcement and actually through some of the communication that they've had with some of their stores, it, it seemed like they've kind of walked back any mention of local tournaments um yeah it cer- certainly seems like we're not getting those this competitive year
0: yeah and it's, it's kind of interesting to me too because in some ways they have been trying to support local scenes with like the new play pokemon packs right, right. like that's an incentive to go to your local uh scene and participate there but on the flip side you know this is maybe an indicator that locals aren't returning so i don't really understand sort of that contrast i guess you know why encourage people to go to locals at all if you also aren't willing to support the tournaments, even like a low stakes, like league challenge, right. Where they don't need to give you a play mat or anything. Um So yeah, I just,
1: it's a little perplexing. I, I will agree. I don't know that I have a good answer for, yeah. I mean, I don't have a thumb why. on the polls. Right, right. Right.
0: Um You know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe locals make a very brief reappearance, but yeah, I, I agree. They're probably not, going to be a factor in this competitive season by and large yeah. um you know our original theory at least mine was that they would return with the scarlet and violet expansion and post rotation i just can't see that being a thing and i feel like also if that were the case that stores would know more and inevitably someone would say something by now
1: um, all right let me put on my tinfoil hat for a second
0: <laughs> yeah do it please
1: what if they run cp tournaments through ptcg live
0: well, that's not gonna work, so <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna need a new theory. I,
1: I hey, never and maybe that's gonna be their way to like really promote it. They what just, if like know.
0: on March first, yeah <laughs> like TCG Live gets a massive update and it's like amazing.
1: <laughs> Dude, what if, bro? <laughs> the They've beta just was, just like a,
0: was just like a sleight of hand. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well the beta was like all the junior devs. Yeah. Putting together the game and then we see like the real game. The the senior devs upload their branch to prod. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I think that might be it. It has to be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then we get C P tournaments on PTCG Live. That must be why there's no locals. (laughs) I agree. That's the only (laughs) explanation. Tinfoil hat off for a second though. Um yeah, no, that's that's probably not happening. But I mean, three fifty, do you feel like that's a fair number? Four uh, championship points in North America, you you look at you know kind of some pathways to get there. I guess um, three top eights and a top what uh, sixty four <laughs> top, yeah. top sixty four, yeah, yeah, right? So I, I just want to make sure I had that number right. Um, you know, is that does that seem reasonable, or uh, you know, essentially six top sixty fours with maybe a finish at an IC? Like, do you feel like this CP threshold for North America is reasonable and, um, and you know, is it a good number? Is it is it a you know decent number for uh, North American players?
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of harkens back to a oft-repeating conversation in the Pokemon community about sort of the philosophy of the world's invite, right? And who should achieve it? Right now, I think 350 is fair is pretty easily achievable for people who go to multiple ICs especially even if they don't do like phenomenally well if you go to multiple you'll probably get points at one at least um and the IC points are just so massive that you'll probably get the invite at that point you know it's also if you go to multiple ICs you probably are like capping out your regionals even if the finishes aren't the best um so I think like anyone who goes to multiple ICs probably getting their invite I think you know those kind of middle of the pack players who are placing you know top 64s maybe get a top 32 here or there um, maybe a top 16 or a top eight they'll also probably get their invite as long as they get a finish at naic um and then sort of the higher end players have either already qualified or um are easily on track to. um so to me that seems like kind of appropriate i mean I, I think what's lost though, is is sort of the local companion to that. You know, a lot of the world's invites aren't people who are in those three demographics. It's people who grinded out their league cups, got you know 300, 200 points off of those, and then mm-hmm. finished it out with maybe two regionals and NAIC, right? Like that's a common story, in my opinion, for how a world's invite is formed. And I don't really think, obviously, obviously, it's not possible today. And I don't think like those types of players who only maybe can afford or either time or money to go to a couple regionals are really going to have the opportunity to get a Worlds invite this year. Yeah. Um, granted, like you know, Yokohama is going to be an expensive Worlds trip anyway, so. Um, if money is limiting factor, like maybe that wasn't a viable option for you. But yeah, I mean, I think there's something lost along the journey with the reduction of of locals, regardless of what the threshold is almost. Like the threshold could be 250 points and there would still be a large subset of players that is affected by that.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think we're still looking at a, a significantly smaller um, population from North America getting their world's invite, even with... The lowering of the cp threshold bar so it to me i mean it feels like a respectable number in terms of just given what we have with uh yeah. regionals and ics it feels like you know the person that gets through to the 350 point threshold i'm going to be like okay that is like uh traditionally what i think of as a world's caliber player but again like you said without locals is that a little bit of gatekeeping uh being done still because we don't have those league cups challenges to kind of boost up some of those players that don't have the chance to travel or are in a little bit more remote areas of the country. Um, you know, yeah, right. I mean, there, there's always going to be losers and things like this. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think the threshold I think is appropriate in terms of like determining the caliber of player. Um, it's just it is unfortunate that folks who are in that sort of more local oriented space don't get to have maybe the participation level that they were hoping for for this season. Um, and I feel for those players, right? Um, you know, that's a lot of folks' stories in the Pokemon trading card game. And um, I don't know what's going behind on behind the scenes. Like, clearly there's some sort of rationale for why they're continuing to delay the actual local tournaments. Um, we unfortunately don't have <laughs> the the documents there to speak to it. But um, yeah, here's hoping that, those of you who are able to travel to those regionals are able to finish out with 350. Um, and those of you who aren't, you know, don't don't see Worlds as, like, the only thing worth playing for. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you're going to two regionals this year, that's still cool, right? Enjoy the regional. Enjoy the grind. Um, and don't get caught up in worrying too much about the Worlds component.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's enough on the CP threshold, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited though because I'm going to slam I mean, you're dunk it in but, Yeah. You're close. You know, you're you're you know, you could you could bomb you got like a lot of leeway. You could bomb <laughs> on a lot of tournaments here.
0: <laughs> I know. If I don't get it at this point, then that's completely on me, I feel like. So, <laughs>
1: hey, I I've, I've definitely been there though. You know, right on the cusp and just can't quite punch it over the finish line. But you're sitting at 300? Is that 300,
0: yeah. 300?
1: Yeah. 300. And uh, remind me your your finishes obviously the top 8
0: i have four finishes top 8 top 16 top 32 top 32
1: okay yeah it tracks yeah it tracks so very good i am sitting at 140 points so uh you know a little bit more of a of a stretch there but uh top 128 there in orlando and a couple of top 64s you know just Just like disappointing on the whole, just because some of those top 64s were, you know, I genuinely felt pretty close to, uh, you know, one was like 34th place. Yeah, yeah, that That one sucked. It's just like, you know, and not to be completely upset about 10 points, but now that the threshold's lower, those 10 (laughs) points mean more right (laughs) so um right it's 10
0: out of 200 instead of 10 out of 400
1: yeah exactly and so the um the the biggest thing i think for me that i'm disappointed with is that the international that i will be going to is at the end of the season and that always puts a ton of pressure on those (laughs) players that are looking to get those last few points like if naic was at the start of the season then i could go and you have a really good picture of how the rest of the year will play out right like if you go and get a finish at the first ic of the year then you're like okay yes i think this is going to be a successful season i can uh you know justify maybe putting a little bit more money into (laughs) going to the regionals that i need to go to to finish off the invite with it being at the end of the year it's just such a you know slog to get there right because you're like well it's one tournament i don't want to put all my hopes on that one tournament (laughs) i got to go to all these regionals so that I don't so you have could to... easily
0: wear the tinfoil hat for that situation.
1: <laughs> I could. Yes. I could. Absolutely. <laughs> and,
0: and what is your sort of schedule looking like for the rest of the season then?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I will be going to Knoxville and I will be going to Fort Wayne because those are the closest ones of the regionals that are left. Um, still in doubt is Charlotte and Milwaukee. But I'm hoping to make it to at least one, if not, both of those uh, tournaments, assuming I don't have, you know I, I don't reach my finish limit or I don't reach the um, point threshold by that by that time. Yeah, so
0: yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, looking at at my calendar, I am going to Charlotte. I may I'm signed up for Fort Wayne, may skip out if I qualify in Charlotte though um you know it's five finishes are two so even like I could still even get the points somewhere else but I'm signed up for Fort Wayne probably gonna go um then I have I am going to euic which will be a lot of fun tentative on Portland probably not going to Hartford and I will be going to Milwaukee.
1: do you have the flights and everything for Europe?
0: Yeah we've had them booked for a little while now
1: so. okay nice.
0: I'm super excited Um, it'll be fun hopefully I don't get COVID this time
1: well I was gonna say do you think you'll stay healthy and also do any sightseeing while you're there
0: yeah I mean probably depends on the whole getting COVID thing I had to say
1: I was just so disappointed when we went to Worlds and no one wanted to come out I would have but I was I'm not saying I'm not this doesn't apply to you because you're stuck in the room (laughs) but this applies to all our other friends that went to Europe I felt
0: so horrible that oh we
1: yeah no no doubt man that was rough (laughs) it was awful
0: um so yeah i'm you know i'm excited for the whole rest of the season um i think i have some fun tournaments ahead of me Uh, some fun places to go to as well especially with the uic on the docket so looking forward to slam dunking that invite hopefully at the first tournament possible should be fun (laughs) Well, before we talk about the upcoming tournament this weekend in Australia, the Oceania International Championship, let's go ahead and pivot over to our card of the day here. So, JW, I have a fun card for you today. Um, Let me pull up a Pokedex entry to see if you can get this one. It is super low resolution, so I'm gonna find a different (laughs) picture. All right. It lives in warm seas. It is said that a couple finding this Pokemon will be blessed with eternal love.
1: Um, it's, it's Gastrodon.
0: So no, close, no, so it's, close. It's Love Disc. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's go. Did you like just forget Love Disc because it existed for a second there? No,
1: I thought it would be funny to say it was Gastrodon because that's like one of the most ugly Pokemon.
0: No, I I got that, but I want I was wondering if that was like a cover to buy like a second or two to oh. remember <laughs> remember Love Disc name. <laughs> no,
1: no, because I've seen like the thing about being you know close to Valentine's Day. I feel like people po- uh, post uh, either Love Disc cards or. The Latios and Latias GX.
0: Yeah, the card Alt-Art. on the
1: feed, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I had that in, in the brain in the old dome piece.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the Ladios and Latias tag team. It's classic Valentine's Day post. So true. Um, so this love disc is really fun. It's the one from Flashfire. Do you know what this one does, JW? I
1: don't.
0: So its second attack is really bad, but its first attack. Heartwink, flip a coin. If heads, your opponent can't draw a card at the beginning or of his or her next turn. So <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's a goofy little control e adjacent yeah. card. Um, the whole reason that I even think of this card of even existing at all is because Puka actually made a video on the top cut uh, using this love disc, I think for Valentine's Day. Um, you know, I was an avid top cut watcher in my... My youth, uh, right. I watched every single one of his videos, literally. Um, and this is one that stuck out in my brain as being very iconic, is playing the Heart Wink Love Disc. That's awesome. <laughs> so shout out to Puka, and shout out to Love Disc. And the card's actually pretty cute. Yeah, I got to say. Love Disc is kind of a weird Pokemon, but it's cute here.
1: I mean, it's it's a basic. like it's Well, it's a basic Pokemon, but basic in the uh, colloquial sense as well. Where it's, yeah,
0: it's, kind of, it's a simple design. Um, is that like a beak? Is that its mouth
1: like that? It's, it's a, yeah, a beak. What what is another like orifice that it could be?
0: I mean, it's kind of like it's a either little... a beak or a mouth, right? It's a little mouth.
1: Little... Or what about like a what are the what are they probiscus? Like, like on a butterfly, you know. Yeah, like, like a, a
0: probiscus,
1: kind of the tongue. Yeah, thing?
0: yeah. I said it twice now. So what is it, probiscus? <laughs>
1: yeah, probiotic. Yeah,
0: not quite but but close <laughs> yeah I, oh that'd be weird if it was like a proboscis type thing that like extends out
1: <laughs> dude that would be kind of weird so yeah we don't know i don't know we don't know the true power <laughs> of love disk. Yeah.
0: we I guess we don't
1: <laughs> you <spin. Yeah>. so <laughs> speaking of mouths we should thank our presenting sponsor of the cast manscaped they just came out with a brand new razor for your beard is fantastic i don't know riley have you used
0: yes i have and it's actually really 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 good um it was one of my favorite parts about the beard hedger is that it's adjustable without actually swapping out the guard um so as someone who, you know, regularly trims my beard, I like to, you know, maybe vary it up with the length over time here and there. Um and previously I've had an electric razors where there's like 20 different guards and you have to constantly be swapping them out, especially if you're shaving from like a full beard. You know, mm-hmm. you have to start from a relatively wide guard and then bring it back down. Um and that's just like there's a lot of physical equipment you're working with there. Whereas the beard hedger you have one guard and then there's a little like turnstile almost to right. adjust to the specific lengths super good the close shave is awesome i feel like sometimes i struggle to get close shaves with a uh, electric razor as opposed to a like a two blade razor um, this one does a super good job the all the different lengths super good it's clean it's quiet works great i've been really really happy with this
1: product so far nice glad to hear it so you can get a discount, actually. If that sounds appealing to you, if you're a man or a woman, and my girlfriend with a loved beard. it, yeah, you know, she loved the Your outcomes. girlfriend loved it too. She loved she the outcomes. Her
0: beard? No, she loved the outcomes rather. Oh, okay.
1: Well, uh, that is uh, high, high praise. I don't know much about Jill, but I, I'm sure she has high standards if she chose you. So. <laughs> If you'd like to get your own product, head on over to Manscaped. We actually have a little bit of a, you know, discount over there. So head on over to manscaped.com at checkout. Use code TAGTEAM. You can get 20% off plus free shipping. That's code TAGTEAM, 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast.
0: Yes. Thank you so much to Manscaped for your continued support. And thanks to you all for checking them out. All right. So as we round out the cast here for today... We gotta be talking about Australia. It's happening in like a handful of hours, <laughs> honestly, right? Because the event starts on a Friday,
1: but Friday is Thursday because everything's upside down in Australia. Okay, just you know, make the joke already.
0: <laughs> it's more just like they're really far ahead, you know. <laughs> it's nothing about being upside down. They're just really <laughs> far ahead, and so we're like, you know, probably twenty hours away from day one starting, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it's it's cool. I mean, I love. You know, being able to watch poke during the work day. So looking forward to that for sure. <laughs>
0: for sure. Um so Australia's uh, coming up. A lot of folks are really excited. It's gonna be a great tournament. Um and we wanted to start by doing a little bit of a mix up. Here at Tag Team, we typically do sort of the expected meta share or the most popular decks. Um, we figured not everybody who's listening to the cast maybe even going to australia so you're not necessarily worried about the field you're worried about the outcomes so instead i thought it would be fun if we threw our two cents into the ring for what the top eight will look like at australia you don't have to name like the players or anything although certainly if you have a wild guess i guess you could yeah Um, but what are the top eight decks that you expect to see in australia jw
1: yeah, I would say, um, you know, the, I want to say like the elephant in the room or, or the um, fossilized bird in the room. It just has to be Lugia. I mean, we're looking at this deck, the dominance of this deck since it's been released um, has been maybe not unprecedented, but pretty close. I mean, it's been a very, very dominant deck, uh, the likes of which only a few decks that I can remember in my playing career have certainly
0: in like the modern era
1: in, in the modern era. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, Lugia, I mean, just has to be one of those decks that I, I think the floor is probably two in top eight. Um, we could talk a little bit about why Lugia is just the maybe quote unquote best play for an international like this, um, because the matchup spread is pretty solid. Um, you do have some ways to outplay your opponent and, I just wouldn't expect any less than, like, a 5-3-1 record playing a Lugia deck. It's just, it's just consistent, solid. It's just that guy. You know, it's him. Yeah. Right? Um, so, I would expect no less than two. I'm going to say, for the purposes of our cast here and uh, the hot takes or whatever, I think three Lugia in top eight. Okay. Um, next, I would say one Gudra. I think that All deck right. is you know, pretty good. Solid has, a uh, you know, pretty good matchups. Um, does kind of suck into Lugia, but, uh, that's certainly winnable, um, at, at the very least. Then I think you got two Lost Box decks. One stall deck. There have been a few different ones floating around. We know about Sander's Pikachu VMAX stall, which aims to use Veltal. Um, as many times as possible, get rid of a lot of special energy in that Lugia matchup. And then use Thornton to get into a Pikachu VMAX to start either taking knockouts in the Lugia matchup or, more realistically, uh, start taking knockouts and kind of set up a perfect lock into things like Reggie's or Lost Box. Yeah. Uh, we know about that one. There's also a new Ditto control that, I don't know if you've seen this list, Riley, with the Sand Isle and i've, I've the seen Jinx. the sand dial deck yeah <laughs> yeah that one's really fun as well
0: i had to look up that sand dial and i saw the first picture <laughs> of it
1: <laughs> yeah i think it's um yeah really kind of an in, an interesting list i played it for a little bit uh on stream the other day and it was not particularly good for me but at the same well at the same time like it's it's somewhat hard for me to find consistent meta matchups on PTCGO ladder because your elo is so low yeah my elo is horrible for sure so i was <laughs> playing just like these random uh basic energy focused decks that are really hard for that deck to overcome let me tell you <laughs> uh and then in that final slot i mean you're looking at something like a like a mew i think would be you know my 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 final uh my final guess there. Okay. It's
0: pretty solid. So that's what three Lugia, one stall, two lost box, one Gudra, one Mew. Yeah. Okay. Um I think three Lugia sounds about right. Um I'm gonna go a little bit different though for the rest of the decks. I'm gonna say And yeah, for all the same reasons. Like Lugia is is, is broken, like a lot of top players are gonna play it as well because it's broken. And uh, the matchup spreads like really insane. So you can kind of like sneak through even bad matchups. You know, Lugia is great. Um, next on my list would be two Lost Box as well. I, the deck's popular. It's strong. Um, personally, I don't love playing Lost Box. The more I play it, honestly, the less I like it. <laughs> um, except for maybe the turbo version because that just feels so fun in Ham. But um, I think it's going to show up. It's going to do well. People are really into like the Rayquaza variant, especially it feels like these days. Um, and it can just sneak through and easily make a top cut. Um, I'm going to say Mew will actually have a good showing in Australia. I expect to see probably two Mews in the top eight as well, uh, which gets you to seven. And that last slot I think will be some sort of crazy stall deck, um, be it eveltal Control or, or Eldegoss Loop or what have you. Um, whatever sandra cooks up that week probably <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so i mean it's it's very clear that we're taking stall seriously for um, i think stall is really good right now yeah this i i was going to say this tournament but also looking ahead right knoxville charlotte uh, these these other tournaments in this in this format um should the players also i mean should, should players going to either ocic or any of the upcoming regionals like like we're taking it seriously but should people adjust their decks to accommodate for stall
0: what adjustments would you propose
1: well i don't know i mean it's like uh obviously it's very deck specific but in lugia i think one of the mm, standard kind of stall uh or or anti-stall cards would be you know maybe a bird keeper right to try to get around the um the stadium the, the mm-hmm. Galar Gallar mine that they're going to play. Uh, if you're playing Mew, uh, you have the Palpad Silene package that is not necessarily, um, at least currently, is not in every list that I've been seeing. Um, yeah, you know, Gudra is going to have some inherent strengths against the deck, but um, you know, certainly there are things you can do in in Lost Box style decks to to help out. So, yeah, I don't know. Would would you accommodate for it? Would you? Is that in your yeah i just think it's so hard
0: you know because it's not going to show up in a ton of numbers right like a handful of really good players will probably play stall but you know how many will you hit over the course of a tournament it could probably even be zero um and then the other thing is you know what does stall look like and like how do you counter it You know, it feels a little bit different than the days of yore where it was, like, Vileplume was kind of, like, the stall card or, like, um, or, you know, just a fat Reggie was the stall card combined with Safeguard Hoopa, um, and you just had to, like, adjust your deck slightly in, like, very specific ways to accommodate it. I just, I feel like stall looks so different at every tournament these days, so, like... I would what I would hate to do as a player what would be to specifically include a, a card to deal with stall, only to find that stall just looks different than I expected and just wasted sure. a card slot entirely. Sure. Sure. You know, I would be really upset if I did that. And so I would probably err on the side of not doing anything because at least then I know that that was completely in my control.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, that that's always the thing, right? It's like, do you over-tech for things? Um, and certainly a deck like stall, even though it has a few different iterations, is not going to be played in the numbers that you necessarily expect. Now, that said, we always talk about on the cast, should you be modifying your deck or making deck decisions based on the field at large or based on what the better players are going to be playing? And I think that's still, you know, the the debate is still out there. But uh, for me, I'm generally thinking when I make deck selections, Uh, when i make tech card choices i'm trying to think a little bit ahead right i'm not thinking about those first few rounds i'm thinking about the day twos and i'm thinking about what players might be playing as i amass my wins on the road to If if you do well yeah, You know, I mean, okay, the, these last few regionals, not the greatest, <laughs> all right? Hey, listen, I'll be the first to tell you that much. But Hey, hey, listen. <laughs> hey, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, but the wind's coming this year. I can feel it for sure.
0: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think even then it's still somewhat hard to justify yeah. because stall just isn't played in the numbers necessarily that makes it easy. And even then, it's kind of what I'm saying, or like maybe – you know, maybe Azul and Grant and Danny play a variant of stall and Sander plays a completely different variant. So maybe you do hit two stalls and they're two very different. And like your tech still didn't really get you those two wins that we've sort of uh, propped up as a, as a valuable threshold for attack. Um, So, yeah. And then even, even further going a step further, if you see stall and top cut, you know, will the tech add more value than just top cut rules do for you? Sure. Um, sure. Is like another layer to that. So I, I think if your deck doesn't have like a really easy sort of catch all for stall, then I probably wouldn't tech too specifically for it personally um, in favor of just building a better deck for an international championship.
1: Well, or you could play stall yourself.
0: And that's something I'm very open to, you know, it's just play stall myself. Um, I think one other deck that sort of slipped under the radar in both of our top eight predictions uh, that I think is pretty good. It's a great ninth place deck. <laughs> if I had to put it in my, you know, little ranking there would be Palkia, I think is actually pretty good right now. Um, I think it has a decent Lost box matchup. I think it has a decent Lugia matchup as Lugias are continuing to get more egregious with like their cutting of the tech cards, like Bird Keeper. Um, you know, Ian Robb had a great showing with it in Orlando. I don't think that was a fluke, you know, that he's continuing to make day twos with Palkia. So I think it's another deck worth respecting. Um, Again, you don't probably tech for it or anything, but it's a really solid deck in the field.
1: One of the more interesting decks that I've been thinking a lot about after looking at uh, the Trainer Hill kind of meta breakdown and matchup spread was Arceus Duraludon. (laughs) <laughs> in his you know aggregation of online tournaments and uh you know just the results uh that he's seen Arceus Duralodon has like a basically a 50 50 if not better mattress threat against every meta deck would that be something that you consider I mean we've been kind of known haters of Arceus Duralodon. yeah I'm looking at the graphic right now it has a Negative matchup into Lugia Archeops, uh, a forty-nine point nine percent win rate. <laughs> yeah, and into Mew, it has a you know forty percent win rate, right? But against everything else, it's at least 50, 50 or better. Is that something that you would consider? Like, is Arceus Deraladon like kind of the sleeper deck right now? That just sleeper deck. About? I don't know about
0: that. Um, I probably wouldn't consider it super highly, and not because the matchups aren't there um but because Arceus Duraldon to me feels like a like a draw check almost like if I the 50 50s almost feel like like yeah if I get fully up and running I'll probably win and if I don't I'll probably lose is is kind of like what Arc Duraldon is is checking you for and I hate that feeling personally um I know that I played Arc Duraldon at the full grip
1: tournament and one you were like the first one i
0: was so. that guy but like yep. so i guess i mean i don't hate the deck entirely you know i would i object to anyone playing it no um and I actually had a similar conversation with andrew prior to orlando he was texting me in a bit of a panic he's like oh i should just play arc on instead like that's fine you know just but and i'll support your decision if you do that but just know like you're leaving your tournament up to god and not up to you
1: yeah <laughs> definitely definitely very linear deck uh, nothing necessarily wrong with that. No. Uh, but very linear deck. You really just, you have it or you don't. You know, and that's pretty much how the game goes. Against Lugia, you either have the double boss um, on the turn that you need it, right? Because you're going to need to boss up an Archeops so that they can't get Eveltal down, so that they can't Amazing Destruction, your lone Duraludon. Um, and then you have to follow it up because they're going to bench the eveltal on the next turn. So you have to go boss, boss. You either have that, you don't. A lot of these other Yeah, matchups. that one is just
0: a pure draw check. Um, yeah. The, yeah, I think the Lugia match in particular is just literally just a draw check. Like, who drew better? <laughs> um, the the one thing that I think is cool is, like, some people are trying out, like, having a little bit heavier of count as, like, an alternative to the double boss. Um, so if you're Dralodongus KO'd and you have another one on the bench that you can... Um, quickly power it up is like an alternative don't think it's horrible i guess um i don't know it just to me it just feels like i just hate to leave as big of a tournament as an international championship on a deck that i feel like the plays are out of my control
1: but if you got the matchups man then you know what i'll I'll take it right it's like it's not about how necessarily how the deck feels but if i'm feeling like it has the right matchups then I'm going yeah, to
0: but ex- to some extent, like, 50-50s aren't really what I want to take either, especially with a linear deck like Doraladon. No. I would be more apt to take 50-50s with the deck that I felt like had a really high skill ceiling. Sure. Uh, because then I feel sure. like I can influence those 50-50s. But a deck like Arc Duraludon that has a lower skill ceiling, those 50-50s, to me, almost spell doom. <laughs> because it means you can just drown in pools, basically.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Why... I think the big question for me, and and I touched on it a little bit earlier, but why wouldn't you play Lugia?
0: Yeah. I, to be honest, I think it's a legit question to pose. And you probably should ask yourself this going into any tournament prior to rotation is what is my reasoning for not playing Lugia going into this tournament? Because Lugia consistently has demonstrated that it is the best deck in this format. Uh, hasn't won every single tournament, but <laughs> it's sure trying to. Um, so for me to be honest like I (laughs) I struggle to come up with like a great answer to it and maybe that's my own bias because I've had pretty solid success with Lugia um but I think Lugia is kind of just like that deck and you can build it very efficiently and um it seems to be a shared sentiment at least amongst other players as well you know Tord has slammed Lugia at every tournament um and it's gone pretty well for him. Um, so to be honest, I don't really have a, a great answer for why not Lugia. I think the the real answer, in my opinion, is just that the mirror can be painful. And yeah, there's ways that you can influence the mirror as either Lugia pilot, right? right. Um, you know, the mirror went had like a little bit of a, of a phase where people just thought it was completely skillless. I don't think it's completely skillless, but I also don't think it's like, the better player always wins situation either. Right. Um, you know, I think the the ceiling isn't like as high as like some of the Lugia apologists like make it out to be type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, but to me, that's like the motivation not to play Lugia. It's just because you don't want to drown against the other Lugias. Um, but then you're kind of, if that's your logic, then you need to play a deck that has a really good Lugia matchup in, sure. instead of playing Lugia. Right. Sure and to be honest i don't think there's a deck that has that that um really will consistently perform outside of maybe stall
1: yeah i mean you're thinking about like maybe like a like something with aerodactyl in it you know either a a mu deck that has the aerodactyl or a Volt deck yeah with aerodactyl you know those would be decks that i would say oh yeah those have you know I, I would go into a lugia matchup and expect to win most of my games uh pretty handily um what do you think about decks that incorporate flying pikachu as an attacker i mean we, we talked a little bit about stall which has that option but then also you have maybe arceus flying pikachu um some lugialists play flying pikachu <laughs>
0: The Lugia Flying Pikachu has always intrigued me, personally, but I've never tried it. Um, I don't really like Arceus a lot right now. And, I, you know, some of this is just, you know, me being a Jagamo. Um, yeah, you're
1: just a curmudgeon, bro.
0: But I was telling... I don't know if you saw the text that I sent to Andrew at Orlando, but I'm like, you know, why would I play Arceus and use my V-Star power to, like, you know, draw two cards, basically? when I could just draw the cards that I want and use Lugia to put two Archeops in play instead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Just draw better. Right.
0: Like I'll just draw those cards and then I'll use my V-Star power for something else.
1: <laughs> yeah. Something good. Yeah.
0: So like I've got on... a knockout
1: and take a one shot knockout.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm, so I'm a little cold on Arceus in general right now because yeah. like, I just feel like I'd rather use a more explosive V-Star power than searching out a card. Sure. Um, And I feel like, you know, Palkia and Giratina and Lukia all have demonstrated, like, the the value of having a more board-impactful V-Star power. Um, And I think if I was to play Flying Pikachu, it would really just be, like, in stall as, like, a Thornton type of thing.
1: Sure. Sure. Okay, well, interesting. I mean... Uh, Do you
0: disagree with any of that? I mean...
1: Yeah, no, I kind of n- talked for. Not, no, not necessarily. I do think Flying Pikachu, in and of itself, as an attacker in this format, is quite good. I mean, you think about the Lost Own decks. Um, yeah, oh, all right. You agree. know, the non Gudra based, right? The, they're going to just fold. Um, Reggie's is not quite the deck that it once was in terms of its meta share it's kind of fallen off with the rise of Gudra. but uh that's another one that you know you're looking at okay flying pikachu is really good against obviously it's hitting weakness against lugia so all those uh, greedy lugia lists that have dropped dunsparce uh, might have a little harder time i think there are a lot of things that make that just a solid card but like you said the arceus um the ability is still great the attack power is not quite there right so when you're comparing lugia and arceus it just lugia has that more high end potential of with the two archaeops out being able to one shot anything where yeah, arceus needs to be like doing guaranteeing like... a two arceus needs right?
0: that 300 base damage to-
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah man that'd be insane for sure so uh yeah just that that power ceiling is is a little bit higher with the lugia and i think that uh you know that that so, leads me off the arcus too. you
0: know to redirect to you since since you didn't really have a chance to answer the original question like why wouldn't you play lugia like what is your justification for not bringing lugia to turn? No
1: it's a, it's a really good question I mean at this point and until we hit rotation I think lugia is going to be my default deck I've seen you know decent enough results the crew has seen decent enough results I feel confident now in the lugia mirror um where I haven't you know, necessarily in the past, but at this point, I feel like I'm piloting the deck really well. Um, It feels very comfortable in my hands. I feel like I can see and make the plays that are necessary, especially again in that mirror match, which is very important. Um, So it feels like a deck that I'm just gonna have like, that's my default choice. If I can't find anything else, then I'll feel right. Very like you
0: bring it sleeved up. You try, try yes. and <laughs> you try the technology. Yeah. You try the technology out the night before, and, and if it works, then you slam the technology. If it doesn't, you just play the deck.
1: Yeah, that basically got. that, right? So for me, absolutely, Lugia is just that deck. Uh, then I'm gonna go to, um, and it might just be the first choice, but it might just be kind of okay. I, I haven't really found anything else that I like, or nothing else has a good uh, matchup into Lugia or other decks that I'm expecting. So I'm going to take Lugia in and be happy about it. I think that's a good spot to be in. If you're looking at a an international and you're saying, "Man, I just really need to get points," it's it's really hard for me to not suggest Lugia. If you look at Mew, there's always that question: Are people are going to le- <laughs> be dunce, playing Drapion? The Drapion right? question, yeah. You know, and that's just like it's a scary place to be in. You know, you think about you know even decks like Lost Zone, Regis. There are different counters out there, um, you know, how, how many how many Marnies are going to get thrown at me, how many Flying Pikachus are going to get thrown at me, um, you know, you think about just the bevy of other decks that we have out there, and there are these other questions that you have regarding, you know, matchups and techs and things like that, and I feel like there isn't quite that uh, same, there, there aren't the same answers for Lugia that there are for some of these other decks, so I uh, feel very comfortable bringing that. You know, if you're looking like, "Hey man, I just need to get some solid points. I need to get a finish." Yeah, 531 with a Lugia deck. Unless you're hitting, I don't know, quad wheezing multiple rounds.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that.
1: Then I I just it, it's really hard for me to recommend anything else.
0: <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, what would you play if you were sleeving up in 20 hours to Yeah. Oh,
1: That's a good question. I, I do really, really want to play Mew. I do feel like uh, Drapion stocks are low. The deck hasn't, uh, in the States at least, hasn't performed um, particularly well. It's, it's done well in online tournaments. It's done well um, overseas, but my general thought would be like, oh yeah, you know, Mew's kind of on the low, low right now. Drapion counts are... Low. I would really love to sleeve up Mew. Ever since we played it in Toronto, that felt like, oh, that was like a perfect meta for Mew. And, Speak to yourself, man. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I, I did, and I was the guy that hit, you know, a deck with double Drapion, right? Yeah. But um it has felt like...
0: So did I, to be fair. A good environment.
1: <laughs> it has felt like a good environment for Mew, and, and I'd be excited to sleep that back up.
0: Yeah. I, I think my answer, I would contrast with you. I think I would... I really want to play a uh, tall Thornton stall um, if I was at OCIC.
1: You're brave. I... you you have a bigger brain than I do. I, I need to get more practice with the deck. That's going to be my goal between now and Knoxville.
0: Yeah. yeah. Try to get more reps in. Well, cool. You know, hopefully that, that gives you all insight into what the meta is shaping up as we go into OCIC and, and the tournaments to follow here in the States. Speaking of following, jw
1: <laughs> where can they find us absolutely you can find the podcast over on twitter at tag team pokemon please 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 go give us a follow over there we're also on twitter ourselves individually at smiles with riles for riley and at real john walter for myself we stream the podcast live every wednesday night at 9:30 p.m eastern time over at twitch.tv munner let give Riley a follow if you would like to be notified of when we go live on Twitch. You can also find me on Twitch, twitch.tv FlexDaddyRighteous for Pokemon TCG gameplay, openings, and the like.
0: Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate all of you, and we hope you have an awesome rest of your week. We'll catch you all next time. Peace.
1: See you.